Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game Design Podcast. Once again, my name is Brad Carney and I am the founder of Final Boss Entertainment who recently developed Rack. If you're unfamiliar with Rack, just imagine the Marvel comics of Doom. I, I don't really know what that means. Uh, and then you have Rack. And hey, speaking of Rack, it is currently on sale on Steam for the next week or so. So if you are interested in checking it out, you can head on over to Steam and pick it up for 60% off. So this week we're continuing our series on arena shooters. Last week I talked with Jay Hard, who gave us more of a player's perspective on shooters, and this week we're focusing more on the development side of things. I'll be talking with Winters, who's one of the developers of the upcoming arena shooter, Hashtag Wrecked. We'll get into all sorts of interesting topics, ranging from the challenge of balancing weapons, the importance of knowing your audience, to even the surprising role glitches and oversights can play in having a fun arena shooter. It's more important than you might think, and we'll get into why. We'll also talk about the gaming industry and the role of marketing when it comes to arena shooters. Now, this is a podcast focusing on game design and not general game development, but for a genre like arena shooters, it's definitely something that can't be ignored. Your audience is certainly important and can't be ignored when it comes to any game, but this is critical when it comes to arena shooters. A single player game can be played and enjoyed by someone even if they're the last man on earth, but a competitive multiplayer game? If somebody logs on to play and there's nobody else to play with, they're not going to be able to play. Appealing to a large enough audience is something that has to be taken into consideration when designing a game. Alright, well on to my conversation with Winters and I'll be back at the end to wrap things up. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I, you, you're, you're working on the game Wrecked, right? Or is it hashtag Wrecked? <laughs> yeah, I'm hashtag sure. Wrecked, the hot new arena shooter that everybody's talking about from Hell Legit Games. Yes, it is uh, very much, I guess, a throwback to the old school kind of arena shooters, but we are trying to not slavishly so. It, it's definitely a modern game, but. Right. I don't know. Just the idea of arena shooters alone, and I, and I heard you and Jay Hart talk about this kind of in your uh, first podcast on arena shooters, is that there there is a bit of nostalgia involved. And it's kind of inevitable. So, you know, there's ways to kind of, uh, I don't know, tread that line, I suppose, and that's kind of what we're hoping for. It's definitely a tricky line to tread because, on the one hand, if you're too nostalgic, like then it's like you're only appealing to the people who remember, and like you're not bringing in a new audience. And then if you try and make it too new and too modern, then you know probably the people who would be interested in the first place aren't all that interested. So it's definitely a tricky thing. Yeah, because we we uh, we. At QuakeCon last year, of course, we, we got to put it in the hands of a lot of the pro players and so forth. And then we did a convention shortly after that in Central Texas where we sort of dealt with more of the the general public, you know, where it's like, okay, press W to move forward kind of people. Right. And, and I liked the kind of, I don't know, dichotomy of that, the, the idea of trying to make something that has appeal in both places and we've seen games try that and fail Uh, i would say i don't know games like shoot mania come to mind where where they tried to make something that was tournament oriented but very very simple i mean just distilled down to its most simplistic form and it was a little too much i think that you know some of the pro players what, okay, whether this is true or not, now this, this the, the people scoff when I say this, but some of the pro guys told me that they had hit the skill level. Mm-hmm. They, this, they, had, they had reached the top of the skill curve. And they there, did therefore, quickly, there was right? no, yeah, there, there was nothing more for them to, you know, there were no, no, not a higher ceiling for them to go as far as what they could achieve with the game. Now, I, whether that's really true or not, I don't know, but that's right. how people felt and that's what they said. So, 
Yeah, and, and, and people can definitely get that wrong. I, I know. I know. At one point, um, this fighting game I play about two years into it. You know, there were people who were already getting disenfranchised with it because they felt like, oh, you know, everything's already been discovered. You know, everyone's already capped out. And this was on year two of like eleven of the game's life cycle. This was before like a ton was discovered, like unblockable moves and stuff. And so, you know, I mean, basically, they thought they had capped out when they they, they really hadn't. But yeah, I, I do want to mention real quick that it, it does seem like it's it's a it's a big thing for competitive and, and high level players. Like they they want there to be uh, that extra challenge something higher to strive for uh you know more to learn more to improve upon uh from those a player so for sure man what's the old cliche simple to learn but hard to master yeah yeah i, I think Tetris. that's kind of what we're all going for yes yes yeah <laughs> and i i would think that would be pretty hard to achieve in a in an arena shooter i i, I but you know these are people who have probably played countless hours of Quake and Unreal, so they've they, they've probably they've probably come pretty close to you know kind of maxing out um, you know what they're capable of as players. Oh, you wouldn't believe some of the ridiculous things like certain jumps that can only be achieved at a certain amount of frames per second. What? Yeah. Wow. Jhar would probably be better to ask about this, but I remember because we had it in Return to Castle Wolfenstein. It was on the Quake Three engine, and there were certain jumps. That, like there was one place where we had to jump that I had a toggle button to set to throttle to that whatever that frames per second was, and it escapes me without googling it. But mm-hmm. th- only at that could you make that jump. Wow. And so, yeah, somebody had to figure that out, right? Somebody had to actually sit there and go, okay, you know, if if I'm at 128 frames or whatever it was, then this is doable. But, yeah. Part of me thinks that's sloppy code, but but at the same time, it's like I just appreciate the amount of complexity that goes into that jump. Well, part of the fun of the the Quake-oriented games, the id software games, was finding the idiosyncrasies of the engine because it was a you know built from their own hands kind of engine and much like rack which as you know i'll give you a plug here i know it was a labor of love how many years uh several years that you spent creating that engine from scratch and so that gives you a little bit more room to have some things like that that are unique to your game. Yeah. And yeah. now we're starting to see things change a lot with the uh, with Unity and Unreal Engine 4, which right. is what we're using for our game. Uh, you can do so much with those that it saves a lot of the uh, early type of development like that. But you probably also gets rid of some of those little quirks right, that come right. up through engine design too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I on, on the one hand, I do think that that can be a good thing because the game behaves the way it's intended to. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone sits down to design a game and is like, okay, so check this out. At 60 frames a second, you can jump this far, but at 53 frames a second, you can jump this far. Like this no one, far, yeah. no one intentionally does that. And I feel like bunny hopping, you know, where it's like when when you run and jump, you gain speed like i, I kind of feel like that's like another one of those little uh oversights one of those little quirks that no one probably intended but that was a happy embraced. accident yeah rocket jumping uh or in tribes uh, which you know i was a tribes caster for many years uh, the idea of skiing where you're just uh, hitting the space bar and all of a sudden you're gliding along the ground. That that was one of those unintended features yeah, that yeah. became part of how the game was played. And yeah, some of these things, it, it, I'm glad you mentioned that, because a lot of these things are kind of vestigial in arena shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're bunny hopping and stuff. Well, we uh, Strafe jumping, if you will. And some of those were basically because of the engine itself and because of things that people found to exploit the engine. But now there are things that people expect you to build in sometimes to your game. And I don't know, with Hashtag Wrecked, a lot of the things that we're trying to do are 
to work around some of the expectations, but still not draw too much you know the ire of the community for you know good luck with that right there's always gonna be something oh yeah yeah of course but you know to to come up with a unique movement system that has things that remind you of those kinds of movement systems but is kind of its own thing and, and i know that uh vormulak our chief scientist he's a he's a big brad carney fan so oh, it, wow. it, he he drew a lot of inspiration from uh what you've done with racks so i feel honored to have fans <laughs> you do man he, he told me to be sure and uh shout you out so oh so. I, I i appreciate it so like kind of what i'm gathering that you're saying is that for for, for a developer of, of of an arena shooter it almost sounds like you kind of want to have those like little quirks and glitches like it, it, it adds new dimensions to the game it adds new skills uh to master from the community so is, is that something you want, or...? For several reasons, I think so. For one, there are... Well, when we started making this game, we were doing it mostly because... And we still are, because we wanted a fun game to play for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And at the time we started developing this, there weren't a lot of multiplayer arena FPS type of games coming out on the market. Really, no, none. Nobody had really right, mentioned yeah. anything. Then all of a sudden boom there's all these not only big titles like of course uh your your unreal tournament 4 and and some of these other but a lot of the indie titles as well yeah yeah why uh, why do you think there's kind of been that resurgence of arena fps i think uh it was uh, just a niche that needed to be filled uh, there just wasn't anything like it I, I know you guys talked in part one of this about how you there's a lot of your call of duty kind of progression right. prestige right. kind of uh skinner box type of shooters and that's <laughs> come the norm yeah, yeah. Now. And, and so part of it i think is uh is a reactive thing against that and, and but also as far as quirks and idiosyncrasies i mean again we do I come from the esports community, and so when you're talking about a multiplayer shooter, you're talking about you know competitive type of situations, whether they're uh, you know at the Staples Center or whether it's at some little land somewhere. You still want something that has has balance, but it has a reason to play that over other games that they could play. You know, you, that's why. Being too slavishly retro is a non-starter because people go, well, why don't you just play Quake? Exactly, yeah. And we're already seeing with some of the titles coming out now that that are very much influenced by those uh, earlier games that people just go, well, why don't I just play Quake? Why don't I play this new game? Is, is that kind of thing happening in Toxic? Because that's a game that brands itself as Frag Like It's 1999. Uh, to, I think to some extent, because of every discussion I see about it, they bring up how much it feels and seems like uh, Unreal 2004 okay, and games okay. like that. Uh, I've played Toxic, and I really like it. it it's a cool game. Cool. And the, talking, uh, seeing some of the talk that the developers have said, I, I think uh, they're trying to diversify it a little bit uh games like reflex which is probably the most popular so far of the new shooters that have come out and it is very much quake cpma mm -hmm. uh, it, right. it is pretty much takes that as its blueprint starting point and goes from there but they are talking about adding a lot of things to that and some of the features that it has like map making on the fly and some of those things are are pretty exciting too so i don't know everybody's trying to do something so it's very difficult to you know set yourself apart especially when you're very poor like us and you have no marketing budget and you're doing this for for the love of it certainly i, I know the feeling yeah <laughs> so. Yeah, so so I think uh, the most selfless thing you can do is make something that's good for yourself, mm -hmm. and if you can do that, then hopefully other people will feel like you feel about it, 
and, and that's why we're putting in you know, uh, like our our game is about space wizards. Mm-hmm. So you'll have wizard powers. We're we're putting those in now. Where it's just basic little defensive spell type of things that you can do. Yeah. Uh, but then you're opening up issues of balance, which is also something we're working on. Yeah, so how do you guys uh, actually go about achieving balance? Because I, I know that's something that a lot of arena shooters have had a tough time with. You know, wh- whether it's the the railgun and a rocket launcher in Quake Three, or uh, I, I guess the flat cannon probably in Unreal Tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in my uh, what I've seen so far in, in my years of gaming is that balance is completely determined by the players and. You can test all day long. You can get the best QA people in the world. You can, you know, try to provide whatever solutions. But until you get the game in the hands of people competing, mm-hmm. you're not going to know. I mean, we've already had a, a few tournaments uh, online and uh, at lands, but the online tournament, like the last one we did, we saw some things. That we're just like, oh, okay. So they figured out if you do this, you know, then you know that's kind of a cheese strat. So it's like, okay, that's something we need to counter in terms of map design and far as far as uh, how the weapons work, damage. Uh, I think it's an ongoing process, man. Uh, the good thing about making a single player game is that you can kind of set it and forget it, right? But. Uh, but a multiplayer game, it always has some evolution going, and there's always going to be, oh God, this term, the meta game, you know, right. and so you kind of have to rise to meet that based on what your players are giving you in terms of feedback on on how they're playing the game. Right. And so, so in that sense, I don't know if a multiplayer shooter is ever truly finished. Right, uh, it's, it's it's just kind of this eternal painting. You're always just kind of adding more to. Yeah, you know, it's you you kind of see a lot of the, that same kind of thing. Like uh, when it comes to fighting games, um, you know, c- kind of what you're saying about how you know balance is kind of depending on players. You, you definitely do see that uh, in the fighting game community. It's like you'll see certain characters who are like very, we call them scrub friendly. So it's like people who <laughs> are you know like they've initially picked up the game. You know, they, they haven't had enough time to you know get good and everything. You know, it's like they're the the, the characters have easy input. They have you know overpowered moves, so like kind of like at a low level, it's like they they kind of perform very well, uh, you know. And then it's like as, as you know players get better and better at the game, uh, you know. Th- there's like certain characters who are you know, a little more difficult from a technical standpoint. That they'll they'll usually have like an edge over these you know kind of easier to to play characters. So it's like th- those characters like at a higher level end up doing better. And then finally you have the characters and you know strategies and everything, which you know like on paper. Uh, you know, it's like they're incredibly good. You know, it's, it's like these are things that are like so technically difficult to pull off, and you know, basically require like basically human perfection. Uh, you know, and it's, so it's 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 almost like a, if humans could like you know shed their limits and like you know become gods, it's like all of a sudden like these characters would be even better. So you know, it's like balance. Like, it kind of depends on like what what level you're talking. And you know, when you were talking about how it's like you know you you can bring in all the best QA testers and everything, the competitive people are going to be so much more motivated to you know find some kind of some kind of strategy or you know kind of yes. they won't find anything they can to kind of get an edge and you know it's, it's they're just going to have a completely different level of, of motivation yeah and one thing that we're trying to do too is uh have different game modes that address that oh, okay. i mean so because you've got some people that like the dual type of game, you know, the one v one, and then you've got people. I think that the current trend in gaming—I don't want to say you know overall—but it seems like people like team-oriented games a lot better. Yeah, that's why you're seeing a move away from things like StarCraft and Quake, right? And a move more towards things like MOBAs, where it's like it's not my fault we lost; it's because my team right. sucked. Or, or whatever yeah. but uh, so I think that through doing game modes and we'd like to go for more of a team oriented game 
but we'll also have the ability to to deal with people because there's another good game that's out, Wickland, and, right. and that one is fantastic, uh, and it's very unique in the way that it handles uh, uh, a lot of the things that it has in it. But there aren't a lot of people playing it, not like there should be. Right. And some people have said because you know they are looking at. I mean, the, the, they had a write up where they were talking about yeah, the fighting games and things like that were what were kind of influenced them, oh, and so you know they wanted to make a more dual oriented game. And, and I don't know of uh, the there. That seems to be a niche within a niche mm -hmm. as far as shooting games. Right. Yeah, it's you know it's definitely a tricky thing because like arena shooters, like multiplayer games in general, their primary selling point is basically the audience. You know, having other people to play with, and if you get too niched with it. You, you might have like a, a an enthusiastic audience, but you're probably gonna have a small audience, and because of that, you know, it's like when people go to play the game, they're gonna see like, oh, well, not many people are playing, or, or no one's playing, and then they're gonna check out and take themselves out of the pool, and so like because of that, like these, you know, you can have like real trouble staying afloat. This is a big problem in these sorts of things. Uh, I know that. Somebody said that a good axiom to go by is never make a multiplayer indie shooter. Yeah. <laughs> because right. of, of that very reason. Right. You get into the thing. I, I'm thinking of games like, uh, here's a good game, Strike Vector. You ever seen this one? I've heard it, of it. Pretty awesome game. But it, then it goes on sale all the time on Steam. And then people say, well, nobody plays that game because nobody plays it. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so you're kind of in that catch-22. Exactly. And we were at one point looking at putting a single-player part of our game in there, and we may do something like that before all is said and done. But right now we're just looking at... I think uh, for a smaller dev, the best thing you can do is just kind of make an infrastructure of your own and build whatever audience you can. You know, right. if we just have a few people playing and they're having a good time doing it, then uh, I feel like we've done a great job. Um, what we're going to be doing is having regular leagues and tournaments. And, cool. you know, I mean, there will be places where you can play the game and you can find people at your skill level to play the game mm -hmm. and kind of give people uh, a community and do a little bit of uh, building of that type of uh, you know, atmosphere, right. so to speak, to give them and see where it goes from there because that's really all you can do without the marketing of an ea or somebody like that yeah you have to kind of do what you can with what you've got in front of you yeah but you know yeah i will say that like because uh and as unreal tournament starts to come out this might not be true but you know i mean these you know these big games these big companies like they did really have like a solid foothold uh you know on the on the arena fps uh market and because they've kind of dropped the ball on that so to speak um you know it kind of has given an opportunity for you know other 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 developers such as yourself to kind of kind of uh kind of jump in there and kind of kind of seize that yeah, it's a wide open thing right now, and and I guess it's it's I, I'm excited that all these arena shooters are coming out. You know, not all of them will make it to the finish line. Not all right. of these projects. Uh, if you go to the and shout out to my friends uh, Neeple and Glanguar from the Arena FPS subreddit, they track this stuff, and there I think there's about 15 games that they've got tracked right now that are arena shooters that are freshly released or that are in development and some people are just like why don't we just pick the one that does the best and we'll go with that it's like well why don't we just go eat at mcdonald's every day because right. it's it has won the popularity wars of fast food therefore it is the pinnacle of no i i think that there's uh it's kind of exciting to me that there's about to be all these choices 
for people to play. Yeah. But yeah, f- making your voice heard in that, yeah, sometimes it's pretty difficult, man. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, there's, I, I mean, like you said, there's just you know, I I, I think uh, a lot of this has come from, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a wider just kind of indie game thing too, where it's like. I mean, so many more games are released on Steam now than at basically any point in history. I I think there was like an article last year on Gamasutra that came out in like March or April, and it was like more games have been released on Steam this year than last year. Like, oh god! Um, I bet you've got games in your Steam library that you've never played. Right? Yeah. I mean, because of stuff like that, like it drives me crazy when people are like, "Rank is too short. It's too short." And I'm like, you're. I-, I can look at the the Steam achievements. Like most of you haven't gotten past the third level. So like, what? <laughs> you got Steam Workshop. If they want to build right, stuff, right? Yeah, they can. That's that's. And there's uh, extra game modes. Like I-, I can assure you, you haven't gotten all the you know treasures and secrets. So I- there's. Plenty more to explore, but no, it's. I mean, people want stuff they can burn through more quickly, and that takes so much time to develop. Yeah. It's so hard. Well, well, and I keep seeing that go back and forth because then there's the people that say, "Well, I'm paying this much money. I right. want at least twenty hours, forty right. hours, sixty hours." You know. Yeah, I, want, yeah, I totally understand. I, I want it's, Witcher it's three thing. levels of you know crap to do, but then there's the people like. Ain't nobody got time for that, people right. that are just like, you know, make it quick. Right. You know, like like Battlefield single player yeah. or something. Yeah, it, it was just rough because, like, we were kind of making it for, you know, it, it's, we were making it for an audience that would kind of, like, appreciate, you know, kind of, like, the, the the effort and everything that went into it. I mean, it was like, I mean, you think back to, like, NES games, like, Mega Man was short, you know, it was eight levels, you know, nine levels, you know, whatever it was, and... You know, I mean, a lot of games were like that. You know, this like rack in a lot of ways was trying to emulate that, and you know, we we're trying to like give people like a really short but high quality experience. And it's just, I mean, I understand the people who wanted something longer because I mean, there's a lot of people who you know they you know they're trying to kill time or whatever. But you know, it's, it it was just sad that like the other part, the other audience, uh, you know, the people who appreciate a small but quality experience didn't really speak up or seem to appreciate it but uh, it's a tough thing yeah but i mean now that we have things like steam workshop which i think is fantastic i mean you know if somebody wanted to they could make their whole campaign you know for rack or or, anything that they felt was missing they could they could add to it and i think that's uh a wonderful thing. I mean, we are definitely uh, on hashtag rec. We, we are definitely going to be allowing people to do maps and mods oh, really? and stuff. Yeah, oh. we're we're going to try to come up with a very basic SDK for it uh-huh. that will allow people to make simple maps. That that's the plan right now. And of course, if you've got Unreal Engine Four, which is free, you know, be able to do quite a bit with it. But yeah, we we definitely want to encourage people to make more content Uh, i think that history has shown that when you give people the opportunity to do that you extend the life of your game i think a lot of the problem is that in modern gaming that's really not something that's prized as something that the developers want right because they want to say hey next year at this time we're turning off the servers for this one you got to buy the next version right yeah, so so they don't really want you to add years of gameplay to their titles. Right. But the average person who enjoys a game and has put time into it, that they would like to extend that life as long as possible. And especially in indie games and and indie shooters like this, I think it's a, a very valuable thing to accept input from you know anybody who is willing to put in the time to make it i mean i already we've had people make stuff for hashtag wrecked i mean we had a a mini server browser thing you know the day after we put out our first release that some community guys had made so i mean so from the start we have supported that but i think it's important and i hope that it becomes more important for the industry at large 
again. Yeah. To... You know, I, I mentioned in the intro of the, the last episode about how, you know, like, when it comes to arena shooters specifically, like, modding has had a, a huge impact. Um, you know, it's like even okay. in the, the early days of Quake, you know, it's like one of the more popular uh, mods was, you know, the, the CTF mod, three-wave CTF, which, you know, in, in addition to adding a CTF, you know, add a, a grappling hook, which was, I, I, I know I know everyone, including including me, had, had a ton of fun with. Um, so, but, you know, it's, yeah, it is, Quake it is Fortress. a little... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying Quake Fortress. Uh, I remember all those. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you and J.R. were talking about the, like, those uh, CDs that you get you know, for like five bucks and have a shitload of doom wads yeah, on them. Yeah. Oh man, the, 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 those those were those are great. Uh, I, I mean, not not the levels, but I don't know, like the the time. I guess I'm talking about. <laughs> those are good days. Um, but you know, I I, I don't want to get into uh, you know. I mean, speaking speaking of body, it's it's almost obligatory at this point. You know, it's like when it comes to body, like I have to bring it up. So, what do you think of the whole like paid mods thing and like kind of how it all kind of kind of backfired? It was uh, a little surprising how that all went down. I think that if anybody can find a way to do it that in a way that's palatable to people, I think it's Steam. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. They're pretty the smart. Backlash there. was yeah. They they, they tend to. Uh, yeah, they're, even when they've had setbacks, it's like, nah, give them time. They'll right. figure it out. Yeah. You know, CSGO came out, you know, all the pros were like, no, this sucks. We're going to stay with, uh, we're going to stay with 1.6. No, we're going to stay with Source. Source is better. No, screw you. 1.6 is better. Oh, that war again. Okay. <laughs> and now that, you know, it's like, no, man, it's Valve. Give them time. They'll figure it out. And sure enough, now CSGO is arguably the biggest competitive shooter. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's 30,000 just... upvotes on Steam, something like that. Wow, yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's only a matter of time before we figure out some way to monetize this stuff properly. But I think it's, uh, I think it's fair and just to do so. Uh, especially, I don't know, there's something about actually getting your hands dirty and doing this stuff that, that gives you a lot more, I don't know, you know, like we're uh, sitting there talking shit about games on Steam Greenlight, but you know what? I got mad respect for anybody that puts out a game. Uh, even if it's not it a great game, it, even if it's not, you know, earth-shattering, or if it's, you know, the mechanics are poor, or this or that, you know... Total Biscuit was mad because it didn't have an FOV slider. <laughs> you know, you know, whatever, man. You know, you got to the finish line. You got that thing out. But by the way, quick correction: five hundred ten thousand upvotes for CS:GO on on Steam. Wow. Oh boy! Wow, that's a lot. Well, uh, just for the record, we do have an FOV slider. Good, excellent. Okay. So we wanted to make sure we got that. Well, you need to uh, get that to the cynical Brit as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so shower he, it with praise. Actually, a cool guy. I, I oh, no, he is. I feel five uh, a, a sterling gent. I, I must say. So, uh, I, I missed that. What about Sterling? Uh, oh, I was talking not Jim Sterling. I, I've never met him. I've met Total Biscuit. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> was uh was he at like some convention you were at or what? Um, I did some casting for. Well, we were talking about Shumania earlier at. Oh right, IPL yeah, yeah, 5, he was in the Was a pretty big event in Las Vegas, and he was doing some casting there as well, and got to talk to him a little bit. And turns out he has a background in the radio industry too, so I had a lot to talk about with him. And what a surprise! <laughs> given his voice. Yes, yeah, he's a natural man. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw you you've you've had your share of a casting experience too. Yeah, I'm. A, that's where I kind of got my start in all this stuff. Was doing casting, but yes, I did radio before that. Oh, awesome! And through casting, I got with a team of guys who are kind of the Harlem Globetrotters of video games, uh, oh, kind cool. of the secret Illuminati cabal of video games. <laughs> and we Illuminati confirmed. Of- Yes, confirmed, yes. And several of us got the wild idea to try to make our own game uh, about a year or so ago. And that was the uh, genesis of where we're at now. Cool. So that's kind of 
where I'm coming from, where it's going, uh, God only knows. But we've been very happy with the progress. But yeah, like I was saying, it, making games is hard. Oh yeah, I don't have to tell you this, Brad Carney. No, it, you do not. You do not. It is a difficult process, and I salute anyone who has gone through it successfully. But it also takes longer than you thought. You yeah. never you think, oh yeah, I can get the, the but there's always going to be more things come up and. and it, it just, you know, it's like any software project, though. Just add, just tack on some extra time, you know, arbitrarily, and and you're okay. Right. Yeah. You know, it, I I do admit, you know, I I have gotten bit by my own arrogance a little bit. You know, it's I, I mean, kind of when I first got into the industry, you know, it's like I, I kind of saw like some of the people who were. You know, kind of doing things, and it was like, oh well, how hard could it be? You know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, you know, smarter, more talented than her, her working with all these guys. You know, I, I could certainly do better. And what I kind of didn't realize is like they kind of had like the network and you know, kind of the experience and all that kind of stuff, and you know, kind of an established history, all of which like go an incredibly long way. Uh, so, you know, yeah. it's like, I, I was, I mean, these guys were kind of starting, you know, like in a, in a really good spot. And whereas I was kind of starting with, with nothing really, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I kind of very much, and, and not just that, like, I mean, there's just, there's so many day-to-day challenges that you go through when like developing a game. It's, it's just, it's far harder than like I ever anticipated. And, and by the way, like as, as, you know, Valve has opened the floodgates and, you know, tons more games are being developed it's not getting any easier uh you know there's just tons more competition out there there's a people people also have to realize like we're in the entertainment industry and because of that we're competing with all forms of entertainment we're not competing with like other games just we're also competing with movies you know the golden age of television uh (laughs) I don't know drugs, anything people do for <laughs> entertainment, and you know it's 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 just so difficult. Like it's it's and it's getting just progressively more and more more difficult. Like people have no idea how hard it is to catch people's attention for you know more than you know a, a short period of time. It's it's incredibly difficult. Sure, it's a it's a voice in the wilderness, and then I hear people say, "Well, if you these." Uh, people that are professionals at this shit they'll tell you you have 10 seconds right yeah that's it man yeah. you got 10 seconds to grab somebody yep. with your project or idea or Trailer, whatever or, it's yeah. like well what if you're making something that's really difficult to convey the entire nuance and all of what you're doing in 10 seconds, you know, well, tough shit, buddy. You got, you got 10 seconds, you know, on to the next thing. I mean, it's just the, cause the, the, just the, there's so much of it, like you say, and it's, it's really hard to be heard above the DN, I suppose. So here's, here's something interesting, you know, cause I, I've been <laughs> ever since the, I don't know about failure, but you know, kind of, lackluster uh performance of, of rack on the on the sales scene you know, I, i've been reading a whole bunch of you know like kind of marketing books and everything probably should have done this before beforehand oh but, man but hey better late than never <laughs> but you know i mean one of the things i've been reading is like once people like make up their mind about something it's basically impossible to change their mind you know it's like once and for, for example uh i'll give you an example of how this is relevant like honda like the car company like in different countries, they make motorcycles, and like they're they're very good motorcycles, like very high quality and everything. But you don't see Honda motorcycles here in the United States. Why is that? Because when you think of Honda, you don't think motorcycle. And you know, p- people when they think of Honda, like they think you know car, you know, uh, you know, midsize sedan, whatever it is. And like the the amount of effort it takes, you know, marketing dollars it spends to convince people, like, hey, we make motorcycles too. It's impossible. Like you cannot, like once people like have their minds made up on something, like no, Honda means car, like you you cannot change their mind, like it's 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 impossible, um, and you know I mean that kind of fits right into uh, you know the the ten second rule of what you're what you're talking about. It's like if you don't make like the perfect impression like in that first ten seconds, people are already going to develop some other idea of your game, like oh this looks bad, you know, or, or whatever, and you can't change their mind at that point. Like they're they're too stubborn, they're too ingrained in that 
and it's you know it's that's why you know it's like when you're trying to you know like find new people like for your you know your product or game or whatever you always want to like go and try and find agnostics you know it's like people who don't have any kind of like prior opinion to you or any kind of competitors or anything you know it's it is a trillion billion quadrillion insert made up number here uh times harder to convert like someone who actively thinks like another way about something so it's like if you were like making unreal tournament and you were trying to like go around to convince all the quake fans to come play your game good luck with that you're going to fail completely so it's like you have to do something different um to appeal to different people or just appeal to people who haven't heard of quake yet and go on and started started playing it yeah, man. Well, and plus our minds are kind of, uh, in a cognitive sense, they're just these little sorting machines. So we right, yeah. automatically start trying to fit things as quickly as we can into what our previous experience was. Oh, okay. exactly, exactly. I, I, I remember at QuakeCon, and I was sitting there talking to you, and some kid comes up, and he's like, he looks at your game, you know, for like two seconds. So, oh, so like Borderlands. Well, anybody that's played Rack and or Borderlands can tell you there's not a damn bit of well, they, they, there's oh because there's some cell shading or whatever, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And yeah. there's guns in it, right? Yeah, that's it. But you know, yeah, he had made his assessment. Oh, so it's like Borderlands? No, it's not like Borderlands. But, no, it's yeah. not a chore simulator. No. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Anyway. <laughs> oh, but They're yeah, big boys. They we tend it. to pigeonhole things, and, exactly. And yeah. I think a lot of it is because of uh, yeah, what we're talking about here. That there's just so much that you know you're trying to process it all as quickly as you can, and when you're faced with a steam sale like uh like the one you guys are on today, where it's like it's like yeah, your game and a hundred and something other games. It's like, okay, I'm going to go through, oh, what's on sale on Steam? Oh, there's a hundred and something games to go through here. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, there's... I, the attempts that they're making towards curation are interesting, and I think that nobody has really solved this as far as movies, music, any sort of entertainment. I mean, the, nobody has really solved the issue of curation other than you got some people that, you know, are on YouTube or something like that that you kind of trust their opinion on or that, that they have similar tastes and you can kind of look at those things and see. But the, that is one of the overall things that I think is going to be a big issue in the years to come for, for all forms of entertainment. But yeah, especially in gaming too is, is how do you curate this stuff? If the average person doesn't have time to sit there and go through a hundred and something games and decide which one is the right one for them or which, you know, right. several of those is right for them. So. You know, even if it might be something that they, if they sat down and played it, they would love it. Mm -hmm. it right. It's just really hard right now in that sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We, we've definitely had our struggles there. Because, I mean, you know, it, you, you've been there. I mean, we, we take it to, you know, Quake kind of in conventions. And people sit down with the game and they just love it. I hope you can't hear that lightning on that. I can. can. I, I don't okay. know if you can hear it over here, too. But, wow. yes. <laughs> So hey, if, if there's a bit of a there's a break here at some point, you all know why. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, well, it adds weight to your words, you know. You say yes, these are difficult times for game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I had this eureka moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, and it, I mean, it is interesting you you bringing that up. Um, you know, it's I, I mean, I think a lot of it is up to you know you the developer. You know, d designing a game that you know is going to hit the right notes. You know, in that first ten seconds when people see it, so to get them interested in the first place, having solid design principles. Um, but you know, and then at the same time, you know, I, I, the the way it is right now, and I, I think this is changing to at least some extent. Um, is that I mean a lot of the curation is basically done by publishers. Um, you know I, I know it's done like that with you know movie studios. You know it's like you know it's like because it's 20th Century Fox. You know you're gonna get your movie you know on 4,000 movie screens or you know whatever it is. Um, where it's like if you make the same movie and it's you know even a little bit better, but you don't have that that uh that studio behind you. You know you're gonna have trouble getting it shown anywhere. 
Yeah, but arguably those marketing techniques have ruined things in the long term as well because you'll hear uh, they'll spend millions of dollars for two or three weeks you know, to a month leading up to a movie's release, and you'll see it everywhere. And then they only take how it did that first weekend as whether it's a hit or a flop. Right. You know, now, now I'm old. So when I was a kid, I remember that movies would have legs. You know, you, people would may not go the first weekend, but they hear that it's good right. from the people that did go. And then all of a sudden they're like, you got to go see this movie. And then so, you know, the, the same movie still playing two months later, but it's building crowds. But now, I mean, in books and movies and, and in games, too, it's like, well, you know, you, you put your game out, and it was out all week, all weekend since Tuesday, and didn't do well, so your game's a flop. Right. And, and that I don't know that that's fair. And It's definitely different when it comes to games, because you know, especially on Steam, like you have the ability to update your game and you know, do things, and, you know, have promotions and whatnot. Or it's like a movie, it's like once it's out, like it's done. Unless like, you have your like director's cut DVD. Director's cut, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can extend the long tail a little more right. in gaming, right. and that does help. Right. And we are definitely going to be doing that through just uh, whatever we can in terms of content. And in the future, we definitely are going to be doing some sort of single player type of, I don't know if it would really be a campaign, mm-hmm. probably something a little more roguelike procedural generation okay, cool. type of thing, but something that adds to it. Right. But, you know, it, it's like, yeah, you, you can keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, de- definitely. And, you know, I mean, that's, you know, this this uh, this next game we're working on, like, it, p- part of why I'm so excited about it is because, like, it's so, it's, it's much more conducive to that format. You know, Rack was, like, basically just kind of, like, handmade, single-player kind of thing. So it's like, you know, what... Even though it's like we would put out updates for it, like really revamp and overhaul certain things, most people would kind of feel like, oh, well, I've, I've played it. There's no reason to, to go back to it. Uh, but whereas, like, you know, the, the format of, of this new game, it, it's much more, there's reasons to, you know, go back to it over and over. So, you know, it's it means that, you know, we can kind of keep working on it and keep uh, updating it and, you know, hopefully doing exciting things. And our effort won't be in vain because, you know, people will actually have a reason to, to come back to it. So we're not going to get more information on what that game is, right? Uh, I've I've said uh, before it is a tower defense game. Uh, It's 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 Uh basically a new rack game, but it's like a first person tower defense with some other little elements thrown in. Um, I hope to talk more about that uh, in the future. But absolutely, yeah. At least it's not you know your favorite. Characters from Rack are back in MOBA form. <laughs> well, no, no, yeah. no, no. It's, it's the, not a MOBA. It's not a MOBA. The, the like CCG, uh, yes. Har- move over Hearthstone. <laughs> uh, you're going to be at a QuakeCon, right? Uh, possibly. We're going to be at SGC, I know, okay. this year, okay. but uh, not sure on QuakeCon just yet. We're still uh, we're still firming up our summer convention uh, schedule, I suppose, gotcha. okay. for Hell Legit Games. I, 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 uh, yeah, where, where can people find that stuff? Oh, you can go to hellalegitgames.com, and we are hoping to push a new update fairly soon. The plan is to do at least uh, one more big update before SGC and do a uh, do an online tournament and then have a release in time for that convention. Uh, so yes, hellalegitgames.com. You can at least, uh, play and try the game and it is free and will probably be free. We're looking at, we've been looking at different business models. And I think we've kind of decided that, you know, it's hard to beat free. Yeah. Yeah. It so, is. Especially for a multiplayer type of game. For right. Especially when the audience is kind of the selling point. Yes. And you can find us on Twitter at hellalegitgames. You can find me on Twitter at winners with the one. And yeah, we're, we're, we're going to keep working and, and doing stuff and letting people know about it. I mean, that's really all we can do is just keep shining that light in the darkness, man. Sounds awesome. Well, I wish you guys the best of luck and everything, uh, on that. Definitely keep me posted so I can, 
so I can uh, shout into my tiny little megaphone to uh, help get that message out there a little more. So, absolutely, will do. And thanks for having me on the on the show today. Hey, no, I, I no think, problem. Uh, uh, it's a exciting time for arena shooters, and it's really I think this year and uh, next year are going to be. Uh, resurgence for the genre uh, whether people are ready for that or not i don't know but i mean the games are there i think uh, a lot of the player base is ready for it there, there's kind of a weariness with the uh standard kind of uh, tactical type of shooter and people just want to bounce around and kill things and and have fun and, and do it with some speed and so i think that if you're into arena shooters, this is a uh, second golden age, let's hope. Let's get keep our fingers crossed for that. Well, I certainly hope that's the case. Alright, so that was my conversation with Winters. Managed to get through that whole thing without being destroyed by thunderstorms and floods. You know, I've got to say, these conversations keep getting better and better. Definitely enjoyed that one, and I was blown away by some of the glitches and oversights he was describing. The one about the, oh, well, you can make this jump at a certain frame rate, but not a different frame rate, that, that one blew my mind. Like, the fact that players can discover that, and not only that, but exploit it, it just, it, it just really goes to show just how skilled some of the players are uh, at these arena shooters. And just real quick, uh, their game, Hashtag Wrecked, I think it'll be on Greenlight soon. I, I forgot to ask them about that, but as far as I can tell from their plans, uh, it should be on Greenlight soon, so definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. And before we go, I want to make sure that I credit the music. Uh, it is from Quake 2, because Arena Shooters... It fits, and it's awesome. It's actually quite a bit more awesome than I remember it being. Maybe I didn't quite give it the chance it deserved back in the 90s, but it certainly holds up. Anyway, we'll be back next week to wrap up our series on arena shooters. Until then, thank you for listening, and talk to you next time. Bye.